TED Audio Collective. For years, I've been collecting stories whose headlines depict a formula that I think you will recognize. We owe an apology to blank. I'm sure you're thinking of some names that fit in that blank spot right now. Monica Lewinsky, Britney Spears, perhaps even Ahmed Best. There are, unfortunately, many, many names that you could be thinking of. Public figures whose public treatment we're now reconsidering, however belatedly. When you follow these stories closely, you start to see patterns. Many of these public reconsiderations are launched by a high-profile moment. Monica Lewinsky had her 2015 TED Talk. Britney Spears had that 2021 New York Times documentary. I think Ahmed's moment came in July of 2018 in the form of a tweet. Um, that tweet in 2018, um, that was one of the hardest things I think I've ever done uh, publicly. On July 3rd, 2018, Ahmed found himself walking on the Brooklyn Bridge, the very same place where he'd walked late one night many years earlier. But this time around, he wasn't alone. He was with his son. They stopped and looked out to the water, towards the Statue of Liberty. And in this moment, he snapped a picture of the two of them. He opened Twitter and started typing a few words that began, I don't talk a lot about my experience as Jar Jar Binks because a lot of it is very painful. I faced a media backlash that still affects my career today. This was the place I almost ended my life. It's still hard to talk about. I survived, and now this little guy is my gift for survival. I'm ready to tell this story. Then, he sent it out to the world. To put it mildly, the tweet blew up. And Ahmed watched along as the responses rolled in. Thank you for sharing your story. So glad you're here. Lots of love to you, Ahmed. My children love Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks is awesome. You made a character that will live forever. No actor deserves that kind of hate. I think we need your story now more than ever. We love you, Ahmed. I'm sorry that we as a fandom let you down. And I remember sitting there and I was like, where the hell was this 20 fucking years ago? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. where was this empathy? I get it. You know? And and I I was like, why do I have to talk about, why, did, why does this have to be the thing that makes people go, oh, wait a minute, maybe we shouldn't have been so mm. quick to, you know, do this and be so cruel? 
Soon enough, news outlets picked up on it and turned the viral response it ignited into a story. The very same mechanism that Ahmed had experienced nearly two decades earlier when outlets were aggregating various anti-Jarjar sentiments and presenting them to the world as a unified, widespread movement was now showing him all of the love. He was surprised. I didn't think anybody cared about my story. I think that I was just like, you know, oh, well, that guy, that was something. Mm. Too bad, you know? But yeah, it was, it was great to see that there was some empathy out there. It's like finally that thing that George Lucas said to you of like, get ready, this is going to change your life. Mm-hmm. Is it like now that was finally coming true? Yeah, it took a while. It took a while. Ahmed was finally getting his flowers, his redemption. But it took 19 years to get there. Today, we consider why this process took so long and how we can make it shorter. If not for Ahmed, then at least for the internet's next main character. Welcome to the final episode of The Redemption of Jar Jar Binks. I'm Dylan Marin. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. (laughs) I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. That tweet in 2018, it was the first domino in a whole line of amazing dominoes. That same month, Simon Pegg, an actor who had previously trashed Jar Jar Banks, publicly atoned. In an interview, he said, quote, I think most people were regarding Jar Jar Banks like he was a real creature and wailing on him for being annoying or whatever or not liking him. But there was a person behind that. And I just thought, Christ, I'm one of those people. It makes me feel awful. I feel so ashamed of the fact that there was actually a victim, a human victim in that. Then, a few months later, Ahmed shared his story in a first-person YouTube video. To date, it's been watched over a million times. And then, Ahmed appeared at Star Wars Celebration, the franchise's annual convention, and he received a raucous standing ovation. I think that tweet ushered us into a new era of how we see Ahmed, Jar Jar Binks, and the whole story. We're finding ourselves in a kind of funny moment um, when there's almost a backlash to the Jar Jar backlash. (laughs) We're in an upswing. We are in the renaissance. Mm. We are in the reconsideration of Jar Jar Binks. Um, (laughs) What do you attribute that to? You know, what's funny, George knew this was going to happen. The pendulum swinging back. Yeah. He said to me um, in 99, when the backlash first happened, he's like, 20 years from now, this is all going to be different. Mm. 
And um, at the time, I really couldn't digest that information because it was just so emotional. But now I realize how, you know, prescient he was mm. how and how right he was. And he said that he made Jar Jar for the kids, mm. right? And he's like, 20 years from now, those kids are going to be adults. And the idea of Jar Jar is going to change. George Lucas clearly had a vision for the prequels, that The Phantom Menace would be a new generation's entry into the Star Wars universe, and that one day those young fans would come to be Jar Jar's and Ahmed's loudest defenders. Jar Jar was their way in, and they're very protective mm-hmm. now, these adults. Um, and they'll claim it proudly, yeah. you know, we're the prequel generation. Huh. And we love those movies, and those are our Star Wars. Yeah. So um, that's why there's this change. That's why this idea, because those children are now adults. Honestly, I buy this. For the prequel generation, Jar Jar is now nostalgic. And hasn't nostalgia been at the core of this story all along? I mean, in 1999, Jar Jar was trashed by some because he threatened their memories of the original films, the ones they saw as kids, that then, as adults, they feared were being turned into kids' movies. It's so funny to see how it's changed now that Jar Jar has cemented his own place in a new generation's memories. So I do think that time is a key factor in all of this. But... I don't think time is the only factor. I still do believe that by coming to the public square with his own story, he not only had his high-profile moment that sparked reflection, but he gave a human face to the pain that some people still thought they had only inflicted on pixels. Also, time doesn't account for the other camp, of Jar Jar Backlash, the camp of people who criticized the character for evoking racial stereotypes. Some people in that camp still feel that way. But perhaps that tweet demonstrated that the person who paid the biggest price for that criticism was a Black man. And even if Ahmed coming forward didn't change anyone's feelings about the character, they at least might be able to hold these two truths at the same time. That racism in film is incredibly real. And that Ahmed's pain is incredibly real, too. But the question remains, what do we do about it? Obviously, it's unsustainable. If the pattern goes, humans find a target, after deeply hurting them, 20 years pass, we apologize, we celebrate them, we laud them, we make podcasts about them, right? (laughs) Yes. Um, How can we interrupt this now? Yeah, that's a a really, really good question. Um, Nowadays, there are just so many ways into the noise. We also have to recognize that the amount of people that make all of that noise, there aren't very many of them. 
Right. It's not the majority of people. However, that small minority of folks are really loud, really, really loud. They get picked up by more people and amplified, right? But that's not who we are. There is a lot of awesome in this world. There are more of the people who appreciate the work than don't appreciate the work. The don't appreciate people are really loud. And unfortunately, culturally, they have an effect on people. And that's what we don't understand. Right. I do think that we humans have a really hard time with scale. I mean, like always, but especially when talking about online chatter. And then that genre of articles that I've been calling aggregator articles, they do a really good job of capitalizing on our skewed sense of scale by compiling the criticism of the few and reporting on it as a movement of the many. And if I may, I want to share a few of my hopes with you. Hopes that I would enact into law if I was, I don't know, like the queen of the internet. But until they make that title official, and I'm crossing my fingers that one day they will, just hear me out. I hope we can do away with the headlines that turn 12 people into the internet. So that would mean no more the internet hates blank. That means saying goodbye to Twitter doesn't like this person. Instead, I think we should use more accurate and, sorry, way more boring phrases like dozens of people on this one platform think or... I could find 10 people who said this similar thing. Because as fun as it may be to mindlessly scroll through those articles, they often target one specific person who has to cope with the fact that the quote-unquote world hates them. The backlash had a direct effect on my life. Yeah. Right? Everybody just thought that they were just being funny. Mm. A, they weren't that funny. (laughs) B, that joke costs me my job. Yeah. That's the effect. Mm. Right? Got to remember that there are people behind all of your critique and all of your criticisms. And those people get affected financially, Mm. emotionally, you know, get affected. It's real. Well, you're saying that it, uh, it cost you your job. I mean, it almost cost you your life. Yeah. I really hope that we can be kinder to each other, but being kind isn't something we can mandate. Partly because I don't think we can abolish negativity. Nor should we. I think we have to express negative opinions. We form our identities when we test those negative opinions in front of each other. But the tricky thing about negative opinions is that the term negative opinions encompasses truly nasty sentiments and also constructive criticism— We can't abolish one without the other because what qualifies as nasty or constructive is entirely in the eye of the beholder. But, 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 
Throughout Ahmed's story, I've seen how negative opinions, both obviously cruel jokes we can all agree are mean, and yes, also constructive criticism that comes from the most noble place, can accumulate so quickly that they all end up playing at the same volume. And on our end, we don't realize that by speaking up, our voice actually may not be needed. Because we're also living in a dystopia where our negative takes are no longer just shared with a contained group of people in our physical proximity, but blasted out onto the highways and byways of the digital sphere. What's worse is that negativity is encouraged by algorithms that are designed to keep eyeballs on their platforms, and you guys, negativity is great eyeball glue. And yes, this dystopia is ever-present now, but we saw so many early hints of it in 1999, and I gotta tell ya, I don't think it's going anywhere. So, the story of Jar Jar Binks isn't some rare exception, some weird outlier. On the contrary, what happened to Ahmed is now the norm. So I think being kind isn't really about abolishing negativity. I think it's about redefining what kindness means. Kindness can also mean realizing when a point we want to make has already been made. Because those many points create very real consequences for the person on the receiving end of them. Even if we'll never meet that person, even if they're obscured under a grainy profile picture, even if they're a combination of pixels in a 1999 movie that conceal a 20-something who is only trying to do his job. A 20-something who we think is famous and can handle it. A 20-something who is a super fan of the very same franchise we accuse him of ruining. Okay. Getting back to Ahmed and this idea of we owe an apology to blank. Now this idea, it has some very valid rebuttals. The first of which is, is that what Ahmed even wants? Um, is there an apology you're looking for? No. No? No, I don't need an apology. I was never interested in um, anyone apologizing to me. Mm. I care about making this work better. Mm. I care about moving this art form. I care about expanding the technology. I really, you know, the black excellence shit, I give a shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. I care. Mm. I really fucking care. Mm. I really cared about being Jar Jar Binks. I fucking cared. Ahmed really was one of the very first motion capture performers ever. He was a pioneer. And the erasure of his contributions to this technology follows a pattern that we've actually seen in history. Black folks have always been the code of this country and uncredited and uncompensated, mm. you know? I think the record and the history of this is more important to me than any kind of financial compensation. 
The other valid rebuttal to the we owe an apology to concept is, who's we? When it comes to Monica Lewinsky, I was a fourth grader minding my own business, collecting Beanie Babies, caring for my Tamagotchi. I was doing my thing. Britney Spears? Yeah, I have loved Britney Spears forever. And by love, I mean worship. And by worship, I mean dutifully learned the choreography to every single one of her performances in the 90s and early aughts. You might have to apologize, but honey, not me. And Ahmed and Jar Jar? I didn't start an anti-Jar Jar website. I didn't call him a sellout. I didn't write an article in a syndicated newspaper about how the world hated Jar Jar carelessly combining constructive criticism and literal hate. Maybe you're feeling the same thing as you listen to this. But I think the we is collective, not specific. Because when we get specific, that's also imprecise. Like, does Adam, the guy who made the Jar Jar hate page, does he have to apologize? I mean, he can, but that kind of conveniently makes it seem like he's the only one. Do the people who wrote op-eds about Jar Jar evoking racial stereotypes have to apologize? Well, that raises the question, apologize for what? Watching a mainstream movie and then processing it through the lens of Hollywood's racist history? I don't think that's fair. When we say we... Maybe it's helpful that we don't mean any one person specifically, but us, all of us, generally. We, the people who consume culture. We, members of the human species. We, the users who communicate on digital platforms that are fueled by our negativity. We can all be a little more mindful. And we will be right back. See him. Ahmed. Hi. How are you? We're back. This is so great. Can you believe it? I have no idea where the hell we are. I know, neither do I. <laughs> oh, it's great to see you. It's great to see you um, this is Jacob. Hey, it's been nine months since my last interview with Ahmed. Much of this podcast has already been finished. But then we got a late-breaking piece of news that took Ahmed's story full circle. So, I flew back to L.A. to ask him some final follow-up questions. And here we are. It's been a minute, huh? Almost a year. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot has happened in that year. Yes. Several things. Several things, including one thing that you couldn't share with me I last time we spoke. Mm-hmm. Um, you're in The Mandalorian. I am in The Mandalorian, <laughs> yes. The Mandalorian is the wildly popular, critically adored Star Wars television series on Disney+. And in the episode that premiered on March 22nd, 2023, viewers got to see Ahmed's return to the official Star Wars canon. And it turns out this return had actually been a long time in the making. <laughs> One day, I get a uh, an email mm-hmm. 
from Dave Filoni and John Favreau, mm-hmm. and they said that they um, wanted to meet with me. John Favreau and Dave Filoni are executive producers on The Mandalorian. They're very big deals. So Ahmed took the meeting. So I go down to their office and um, have a wonderfully lovely conversation for like two and a half hours. And just to be clear, you don't know what's happening. No idea what's going on. They asked if he wanted to play a part in The Mandalorian. Uh, And I said, I will get back to you. (laughs) Really? Yeah. That's right. The very same person who, decades earlier, was freaking out as he drove onto the grounds of Skywalker Ranch, the lifelong superfan, was now undecided on whether he wanted to return to the Star Wars universe. You know, Star Wars is this thing that can like really take over your life. Mm-hmm. And because... I've had such a roller coaster ride of a time with Star Wars. I, I didn't know if I was ready to be back. And yeah. I know it's been, you know, over 20 years. So I, I was a bit apprehensive. I have to be honest. You know, I know a lot of people are just like, what? Star Wars? Just say yes. But, you know, it's something that I've had a lot of experience in and lived with for such a long time. So yeah. I, I had to really make sure that I was you know, emotionally ready to do it, you know, and and, and able to kind of handle it. So, you know, to be 100% honest, I was a little scared. The execs appreciated his predicament. What was great was John Favreau and, and Dave and Rick, the other executive producer of The Mandalorian, were so incredibly generous and respectful Mm -hmm. and the three of them were just like we will do everything in our power to protect you Mm -hmm. and make sure that when this happens this is going to happen in a in a great way Mm -hmm. and they wanted to make you know the coolest most fun experience happen Mm -hmm. and um that's what really made me go, yes. That's what made me say yes, was the fact that they were just like, we're going to take care of you. Yeah. I, I appreciated that. There would be a number of key differences this time around. But the biggest one? Ahmed wouldn't be playing Jar Jar Binks. He'd be playing a new character named Kellerin Beck. Well, sort of new. Ahmed actually originated Kellerin for a Star Wars game show years earlier, but this was now going to be a much bigger audience. And the best part? Ahmed would no longer be obscured under a digital body. I have a face that <laughs> is mine. a face and a human body. Yeah, um, which was great, you know. Um, but for me, it was really about the character Keller and Beck being canon now. So many of the elements in this whole story can be tied to Ahmed's face being hidden behind Jar Jar's. From the free license that some took to make fun of Jar Jar Binks, to the various interpretations and reads of the character, and even the general way that some people didn't even realize it was a human being who they were hurting. And now, the face we're seeing on screen is unmistakably Ahmed's. No longer a CGI sidekick, but a heroic Jedi. In the scene where Kelleran Beck appears, 
Grogu is escaping, and Kellerin Beck protects him and ushers him to safety. Now, that's a lot of names for you non-Star Wars heads out there. So I will just say that Ahmed is very much playing the knight in shining armor, rescuing one of the series' most beloved characters, who is also colloquially, but inaccurately, referred to as Baby Yoda. The scene may be quick, but his entrance is heroic. Weapons are firing all around. The music swells, and a door opens to reveal Ahmed Best. I mean, yeah, Keller and Beck, but come on, Ahmed Best. I got chills the first time I saw it. And, you know, let's be real, the second, third, and fourth times as I watched people on TikTok and Instagram really freak out over this surprise cameo. What has the response been? You know, it's been really great. It's been really, really, really great. Um, I'm not very good at compliments. Hmm. Um, Unfortunately, my wife makes fun of me. (laughs) (laughs) Ahmed is apparently not only bad at taking compliments, he's bad at recounting them too. If you can believe it, saying the response was really great is an understatement. I mean, people were freaking out. And the kids who had grown up loving Jar Jar Binks now got to cheer as the man behind the pixels established a new space for himself in the Star Wars universe. There's this idea that this is a redemption role. Um, I didn't feel like I needed to be redeemed because I'm more than proud of the work that... I did as yeah. Jar Jar Binks and, and the work that really like changed movies in a way, you know? I mean, come on, you guys. He said the magic word. I take this as my cue. I want to share with you the title of this show. Oh, okay. um, and I welcome the most honest response, but the title is The Redemption of Jar Jar Binks. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> What is that reaction? <laughs> Tell me more. No, I, you know, I like it. Um, I don't know if Twitter's going to like it. No. Why do you think they're not going to like it? Um, well, the Zers, the Gen Zers and the Millennials are, are going to have a hard time with it. Yeah. Because they're just like, redemption. Yeah. Jar Jar is ours. Yeah, well, then I think we have the second season of this show. And then I'm in the hot seat and you're interviewing <laughs> me. Um, but perhaps that's just the cycle of how it goes. As I sit across from Ahmed in the studio, I sense that this word is bringing something up for him. So I ask if there's anything else he wants to add. Well, I, you know, I need to redeem me for myself. Um, and that's the hardest part about all of this because, you know, a lot of those auditions that I went on when I moved out here were terrible. You know, they were not good. I was not good. And it was because I was so in my head and so nervous and so um, worried about people hating me that I thought I was giving them what they wanted to see rather than walking in and giving them me and who I actually was. And this kind of happened in Mandalorian, you know, when I first stepped on the set, I was just like, okay, so what do they want? Like, what, how, what, how should I, 
how should I do this? Like, what, what, am I, I don't want to do too much, but I don't want to do too little. And I know that, blah, 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 you know, and I just got in my head. And then I just had to make the decision and be like, look, I'm just going to be me. That's That's all I can be, you know, and I'm going to go into this and embrace this in the most me way that I can. And, you know, that's what I had to learn. That's what I had to redeem. I had to redeem this like sense of myself that I'm actually good at this and I can do this thing. And and I'm here for this, you know, I think redeeming me from myself is, is what's the redemption is all about. There, there is always redemption. We as people who love stories and storytellers, we love redemption stories. Well, that is a great place to stop. Um, Ahmed, thanks so much for talking to me. Thank you, Dylan. The Redemption of Jar Jar Binks is a part of the TED Audio Collective. It was produced by Amy Gaines McQuaid and Jacob Smith. Our editors are Ban Ban Cheng and Michelle Quint. Additional editing by Jimmy Gutierrez and Alejandro Salazar. Production support from Roxanne High Lash. Mastering by Ben Tolliday, who also made our theme with help from Jason Gambrell. Additional production help from Nisha Venkut. Fact-checking by Paul Durbin with Julia Dickerson. Special thanks to Greta Cohn and Dan O'Donnell. My name is Dylan Marin, and I created, wrote, and hosted this show. I produced it alongside Amy Gaines McQuaid and Jacob Smith, and I truly could not have done it without them. Now we have some amazing people that we'd like to thank. Thank you to Wilson Sayer, Evan Perkins, Ed Novick, Jenny Church Cooper, Chris Boyd, and everyone at Haven Entertainment. We are sending the deepest gratitude to Ian Kinsel, Connor Ratliff, Vincent Golfin, Mike J. Nichols, Dr. Ashley Hink, Dr. Alice Marwick, James McLaughlin, and Chris Wilson. So much love to Lucy Sullivan, Owen Miller, Sarah Bruguer, Carrie Brody, Carly Migliori, John Schnars, Ben Nod of Halfrey, Isabella Navarez, Eric Sandler, Justine Lang, Emily Vaughn, and Lee Mengistu. Thank you, thank you, thank you to Roman Kahlberg, Raiden Kahlberg, Vin Kahlberg, Donu Cole, Kyra Sims, Garth Taylor, Alex Wool, Jackson Bird, Glenn Marin, Francesca Ramsey, Chris Duffy, Sarah Kay, Todd Clayton, and Jason McQuaid. And of course, we have to thank Colin Helms, Daniela Ballarezo, Valentina Bohanini, Will Hennessy, Antonia Lee, Jeff Dale, Julia Ross, Haley Caldwell, Annie O'Dell, Nicole Adini, Connor Titsworth, and Jen Mahalski. Thank you to you all so much for listening to The Redemption of Jar Jar Binks. It has truly been a pleasure to make this show. 